The Interrobank podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Interrobank podcast. I'm your host, Ben Harrietha. A lot is going on this week, so we've got a special double header of a show coming up. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the show. We've got another great episode coming up as usual, but first, here's what's making news at Fanshawe. The Shine the Light campaign officially launched on the 1st of November and will run until the end of the month. The campaign focuses on filicide and coercive control, honoring Jennifer Kagan Vader and her late daughter Kira. Kira was killed by her father in February of 2020 at the age of four. The campaign highlights the dangers and warning signs of an abusive relationship. We'll have more info on the campaign later in the show. Fanshawe's men's golf team was able to bring in the program's first national medal. The team brought in the bronze medal during the CCAA National Golf Championship. Mitchell Hampson also won the men's individual silver medal, which is the second consecutive individual CCAA honor and the best individual finish in the history of Fanshawe golf. As a team, Fanshawe finished with a four-day team total of 1225 or 89 over. And finally, the union representing Ontario's education workers will go on strike unless they can reach a non-legislated deal with the government. The Canadian Union of Public Employees have been arguing for an 11.7% increase in wages. The provincial government has refused to negotiate with the threat of the strike on a table, instead enacting legislation that will fine any individuals that do strike up to $4,000. In order to pass this legislation, the Ontario government invoked the notwithstanding clause. This allows them to override certain portions of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms for a period of time. And again, we'll have more discussion on that strike later in the podcast. So, like I said earlier, we have a double header in this episode. First up, we have Fabienne Haller, who is the Shine the Light campaign coordinator at the London Abused Women's Center. We'll go in-depth on the background of the campaign and why it's so important to wear purple this month. After that, Gerard Kreshes is back and we discuss the CUPE strike and our feelings regarding what the provincial government has done so far in reaction. And I'll give you a hint, uh, bad. Without further ado, on to the show. All right, Fabian, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. Perfect. Glad, uh, glad you could make it. I'm sure I'm sure with the launch of the, uh, the Shine the Light campaign, it's probably been a pretty busy week for you so far. Yeah, it's been amazing. I, I absolutely love it. Every year um, is bigger and busier, but also every year there's more support. So it's awesome. I'm I'm busy and I love it. That's good to hear. Um, so before we uh, before we get right into it, uh, could you just introduce yourself and what you do with the London Abuse Women's Center? Yeah, certainly. My name is Fabienne Haller, and um, I am the Shine the Light on Women Abuse Campaign Coordinator. And but I am also the fund development coordinator at the London Abuse Women's Center, and uh, I've been working at the center for the last twelve years. Wonderful. Um, how's the campaign going so far this year? I uh, I know we had the we had the lighting of the lights on the first. Yes, and that was great. Yeah, no, it was. As um, I saw you there, so thanks for coming. And uh, it was one of the biggest crowds we had, which is amazing. Um, you know, everything worked out. Um, our honorees this year are Jennifer Kagan and her daughter, Kira Kagan. Uh, Kira was murdered by her biological father in an act of um, 
filicide. It was a revenge filicide against Jennifer. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Like, I don't really have words. I, I, you know what? It's, it's okay. I mean, it's not something we speak about every day. And and even for your listeners, uh, maybe we should we should put a, a bit of a warning at the beginning. Some of the topics are very serious. Um, although the campaign has a very positive vibe, because what we're doing is we are we are changing the status quo. But to make that happen, we have to have some very serious conversations as well so so you know this is exactly what we're doing and and we're thankful that london and organizations and and people like you are helping us do that you know we can have conversations and we don't we we need to put the reality and and the facts in there but uh that's why we are doing the shine the light on woman abuse campaign and that's why we're doing it the way we do it asking people to go purple, wearing a purple shirt or anything purple on November 15th, um, with the reason behind it that you are showing support to abused women and girls, and you are committed as a participant to learn more about all the different aspects, all the different nuances of woman abuse, and let women in your life know that are abused, that you support them. And even women you don't women you don't know, you know. So so all that's just the way our conversation is, and it creates change. And luckily, we've already had uh, in relation at least to uh, Kira Kagan and Jennifer Kagan, we've already had a little bit of change with the uh, with Bill C two three three that's gone through the Senate like smooth as butter. Yes. That's exactly it, right? And so for Jennifer, Jennifer is working so hard to make sure that other women don't have to go through um, what she's had to go through. Uh, and by using her experience and, and her passion to make change, to really push on the federal level and now on the provincial level to change laws, to make sure laws are actually protecting women, you know? And so... Yeah, that that is a, a big, big success for for Jennifer and Philip. Um, that it, it creates change coming out of something traumatizing. Very much so, and it's it's very nice to see the part like you know, you know, bipartisanal support across all all the all the parties. It's very rare. I feel like you get that in uh, in the House of Commons that every party supports something. And I very much agree with you. It is very rare, and I am very uh, hopeful and and encouraged to see that kind of participation because woman abuse isn't a partisan issue, right? It does it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is or what your beliefs are. It doesn't matter what race you are. It affects us all in Canada. Every two point five days, a woman is killed. You know, and so this is really something that needs to come to the forefront and i really hope and i really will ask all dignitaries of all parties to listen up and please to support these changes that are being brought forward often by women with lived experience exactly it just it's i i believe you said this last time we spoke but there just needs to be like a like a culture shift uh and it's and it starts with you know, it starts with getting word out to dignitaries. It starts with, you know, talking to people, telling people what, you know, the warning signs of every, all this stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the education part. Right. And there is no, I mean, I truly believe that we need to um, 
start talking about a lot of things in the pub on the public school level like it, it, not yeah i think it's called public school but sorry but uh from from grade one to eight it starts there there is we need to start so early talking about you know at that level um say very early grades healthy relationships what does that mean and then bring the conversation along with the maturity of the students i mean sex trafficking in london ontario is is out of control. We are on the 401. There are young girls in university, in colleges, in public schools are targeted. Downtown London, they are targeted when they're going out. You know, they are trying to be recruited. We need, so that conversation needs to happen on the high school level. And of course, continue out to post-secondary education. And as well, then you think of somebody of, of my generation, there are many people of my generation, so I'm, I'm, I forget what my designation is, but uh, I'm not shy to say I'm in my 50s. And um, it, 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 it doesn't mean that my generation actually knows these things. No, we also need to. That's why we're working with corporations, with individuals, with everyone to also bring that message out all across the board. Yeah, because it's a it's an all ages issue. It's not just, you know. It's it's not something that just affects a certain age group or a certain yeah. group of people. It's affect if it affects all women everywhere. Yeah. And it's so yeah, that education really needs to start and continue because yeah, you're totally right. There are people that just don't know about it. Like I'm I'm 21 and I know people my age who have no idea like I say the words, you know, course of control or uh, you know, that relationship, you know, it kind of looks a little manipulative and they're just like, I have no idea what you mean. That's just it. Right. And so so that is um, something that needs to change. And and in my 13 years or 12 years of being part of the London Abuse Women's Center, I I myself am positive, specifically as the campaign uh, coordinator. I do for me reaching out and uh, trying to speak to a sponsor or or an organization to participate. The dialogue has become much more in depth than 12 years ago, you know, and the reaction on the phone is is really across the board much more open. I really see that change. So so it does make a difference. It does make a difference when people speak up um, and it does make a difference when people show the support. And and it does make a difference if uh, women in power or I said women in power, but it doesn't anybody. I actually encourage men in power as well particularly them, to make change, to, to make sure judges are educated on the issue of woman abuse, because that still happens on the daily. So many women will not come forward, even because they might have had a negative experience with the police or they, you know, once it gets to the court, how a woman is often treated and disbelieved is unbelievable. It is difficult to go that far. And as Jennifer said in her speech, she has tried she has tried so hard. She asked for help all across the board. She, you know, pleaded with the judge and, and to, to give more protection to Kira. And, and she pleaded with the, the services that uh, she was that, that were involved in that situation. And it fell on on um, how do you say it? like deaf ears? Is that the expression? But like it didn't yeah. people didn't hear it. Didn't want to hear it. Maybe they didn't understand it. So so yeah, that seeing the change on the level of people willing to talk about it in the general public, and now the push for getting education for all judges on the issue, I really think we will see we will see some positive uh, impact here. 
and yeah, you can only hope and you'll, you can only hope and it's, uh, it's looking, it's looking good. So just before we, uh, before we wrap up, other than, you know, showing, wearing the purple and, you know, showing support for the campaign, I mean, how can people and, and students as well show support for the Shine a Light campaign? Yeah, so I think for, for everyone, one of the easiest or, or ways uh, is on November 15. It's Wear Purple Day. So that doesn't, you know, wear something purple. If you have a shirt, if you have um, a scarf, depending on the weather, a, a, a toque. I mean, you don't, we do have merchandise, but we don't expect it to come out and, and have to purchase our T-shirts, which are super cool. But, <laughs> but mm-hmm. no, just, you know, wear something purple. Um, if you have a purple light bulb, if you have a... Uh, a lot of people now have those LED strips that uh, you can illuminate your windows with. So you can set them on different colors. Maybe for the month of November, set them on purple. And so we also have posters. Um, and then always be open to to learning more, you know, learning more about the power and control wheel, I think would be super important for anybody to just have a look at that. Um, trying to educate yourself. Um, and I think one thing I always want to stress is. If ever a woman discloses to you that she has been abused in any way, believe her. People don't make that up. Women don't make that up. So that is the other message. By getting involved, it's simply when somebody tells you, when a woman tells you she has been abused, stop in your tracks, don't victim blame, listen to her story, and then do not say, well, this or that could have been different. Believe her, digest it, think about it, and then support her. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank <laughs> Anyways, thank you for coming on to talk about the Shine the Light campaign. Thanks so much, Ben. It's a, it's a pleasure um, being here with you today. All right, Gerard, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, no, we had a great time last time. And uh, so I was like... Who better to discuss um, the union strike for uh, for teachers than uh, than Gerard? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so I don't know how much you know about it. I know you, you like I sent it to you last night, and we we talked about it a little then. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I've been following it uh, fairly closely, and my partner is a teacher. Um, she's not. Uh, she's not affected by like, she's not an education worker, but I mean, ultimately what happens with the education workers is going to affect everybody. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, from the little research I've done with it, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely like very interesting about how, uh, the, the origins of the strike and how the Ontario government is responding. Yeah. And there's a couple of ways to look at that. I mean, with the strike, uh, you have a group of extremely underpaid people basically holding the schools together. Um, Cause you know, without EAs, without custodial staff, without administration, you would have nothing, right? You'd have teachers in classrooms, but nothing, no organization actually keep the gears moving, so to speak. Right. And uh, uh, yeah, it's like, to be honest, like I feel naive, but I was surprised at how poorly uh, these people were paid. And uh, I don't think it's out of the question to ask for the type of money that they're asking for. I I don't think so either because it's like you, you look at like I've got an article pulled up right here, and it's the um, the bill 
the conservative government is trying to pass right now is the Keeping Students in Class Act, yes. which it'll lock these workers into a four-year contract mm -hmm. with a um, annual 2% increase in salary. Actually, I don't even think it's annual. I think it's just a 2% increase in salary for those who make less than 43000 Hi, editing Ben here. Uh, I was wrong in this case. It is actually a per year of the contract salary increase of 2.5 or 1.5, depending on which bracket you sit in, uh, instead of just a total increase for the length of the contract. Anyways, sorry to interrupt. Back to the show. Yeah. And for those above that, it's a 1.5. And like doing the math on that, that's like nothing. No, no, it's uh, what would it work out to like a few hundred bucks a year? Like, yeah, a thousand bucks a year. Well, like, so I just just did like some quick math on like my wage mm -hmm. and I would go I would be with the 2.5 percent. I'd be making an extra 50 cents. Yeah. And that's and that's ridiculous. That's like nothing. Yeah, it's it's little. And even, you know, it looks like a scary number when um, when they're asking for, say, the 11 percent. But 11 percent is it, it, it's a big number on paper. But when you compare it to the small amount of pay they're getting, it's not that much money at all. Um, yeah, it's really not like a lot of a little is still a little. Right. Exactly. I'm sure you got mixed feelings on it because I know like you, you obviously you have a kid. Mm. So I imagine the strike probably affects you decently. Yeah, it, it will. Um, I have to talk to my pros and all that stuff and see what goes on if this goes on. Um, but yeah, like my partner, she'll be teaching from home. Uh, my daughter will have potentially virtual kindergarten. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. Like, we'll see. They'll both be doing their own school and then I'll be doing school too. So it's, uh, it's tricky. It's a little different, but yeah, this will be the reality. It'll be like going back into the pandemic. Um, just yeah, everybody at home doing different school or different activities on the computer. It's crazy. Uh, but it's, I don't know, it's avoidable and it's not. The, the big thing I think for me is this whole threat of the notwithstanding clause. Um, in advance of anything and just saying like, we're going to use it. And like, that seems to be a big threat that and the fines and the fines are ridiculous. Um, yeah. It's like, it's four grand yeah. for every, uh, every person striking yeah. per day yeah. and then 500,000 for the union. Yeah. So after four days, these people won't even get paid for the year. That'll be it. Yeah. And it's it's I, I understand how the government can see these people being like, we are not being paid enough and inflation and the and the cost of everything is going up so much. We need to, you know, we're doing this because we need to be paid. And then the government turns around and goes, yeah, we're going to find you four grand a day for every yeah. day you're striking. Yeah. And they're not like like you said earlier, like their offer is so insignificant that fighting about it is inevitable because it's just not not enough like that's a tiny bit of a tiny bit so it's even worse but just that they're using like uh you know constitutional tools for labor bargaining um that's incredibly incredibly dangerous and irresponsible yeah it, it's just it's taking your ball and going home or changing the rules of the game so that you don't have to so that you win you know, uh, it 
it's totally just like it's I don't want to outright call it like fear mongering, but it is totally like like if you guys try to fight for like, you know, higher wages, we're just going to take all your money away. Like and I just like it just feels so it feels dirty, like it feels gross to see it happening. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's one thing to bargain and then there's another thing to do what they're doing now. Like the last I read, they met at like five this morning to pass second reading. And they're trying to make it so that a third reading is not necessary or committee's not necessary. And, and using the notwithstanding clause, like something that's supposed to be used for like major constitutional crisis. And yeah, I don't know. First Quebec started it with, uh, with their religious, I mean, the hijab law. And that was gross. Uh, I mean, that's something that never should have happened, but now we're seeing it with labor disputes and that i don't know like where does it go from there you know um like the government can't always be right and they can't just use this as a way to put their foot down and say no i'm right you're wrong and even if i'm wrong i'm right yeah and it's and i feel like it's not out like it's not an outrageous claim for like custodial workers to be like hey can we get paid more because I, I remember high school and I remember how much of uh, a frankly crap job that was mm. for those people. High school kids suck. Yeah. You know, like they, they do not give uh, like any care about no. people who are keeping their school clean. And no. so asking for, you know, Hey, could we get paid like $2 more so that I can afford groceries this week? Yeah. And you know, custodians, by and large, we're usually the coolest people there. No, totally. And you know, it's 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 more than cleaning. I mean, it's keeping the things running, it's repairing stuff, making sure there's heat on. Uh, and the EAs, like I think about my daughter's kindergarten class, like they increase the sizes of the classes, but the way they counter that is by having EAs in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if the EAs were gone through job action or whatnot, and one kindergarten teacher can't handle. 30 kids effectively you know maybe they could but not very effectively right it's it's nuts just the way the way that uh their work is devalued i I don't know if you're seeing the same thing i am that's kind of what it seems like you know i even remember that from when i was in elementary school and we had uh like in my graduating class of grade eight there were 35 kids one teacher yeah right and it was and i remember he couldn't handle us right yeah. try as he might like we were just on in like our little ipods the whole time that's crazy cannot imagine that and i bet the quality of education that you got was maybe a little lackluster because of it i yeah i definitely don't remember a single i i remember going to high school and being like yeah i don't remember a single thing from any elementary education like, you know you get the basics but like kind of yeah you're in your out and that's it yeah and it's becoming like this whole trying to run stuff as a business where i mean we've seen it with the hospitals with nurses um like services like education and health they don't you can't apply the same rules to them right uh and it's about like you know a government's role should be taking care of people and they can argue they're taking care of people's money like managing it and, you know, not being wasteful or whatever and keeping kids in school, but 
they're they're just not thinking of the people that actually are doing it right it just it uh, it, it definitely just feels like because they want they keep claiming that they're like we're doing this because we want to keep kids in the classroom but like, does it really matter that we're keeping kids in the classroom if the level of educate, like the quality of education we're giving them is going down? Uh, yeah, that well, that's the thing, right? And I mean, unfortunately, yeah, the pandemic opened uh, the door to more uh, online learning, which it works. I mean, I take a couple of online classes. No, I only have one this semester now which is amazing. Like it's been so nice to actually be back in school, but it's different college, right? Like we actually pay to be here and you know, you have one prof in a class and with, with school, you don't have that choice. And there's just so many kids that they need the help that they have. And they're just clearly not appreciated. Yeah. And, and it's weird. Like there's the money thing. And if they could just get their pay and avoid this whole strike, that would be amazing. Uh, but hopefully, like there'd be some appreciation that comes along with that too, you know? Because yeah, it, as it as it seems, it definitely just feels like the government is just like, yeah, even if we're gonna pay you more, we do not care about you. Yeah, because like even even trying to, even just the threat of using the the like the notwithstanding clause, it it just feels like like I said earlier, it feels gross. Yeah, yeah, it does. I hate to say bully tactics because people say bully tactics too much about too many things. Um, but with this, it does kind of uh, seem that way. Um, I think it totally is. Totally is just like we're trying to just bully them into into agreeing to only getting an extra 50 cents Yeah, over the next four years. Yeah. And what do they call it? The nuclear option, I guess, is maybe better than... Or bully tactics using the nuclear option. Like, this is a worst case scenario using something meant for like constitutional changes and challenges um, to override people's rights and freedoms. You know, uh, that sounds very American, but it's the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, right? So, yeah, they're using the most blunt instrument possible in like the most overt, but also like the sneakiest, like greasiest way. Um, it's something a supervillain would do, you know. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> like yeah. it, it is. It is totally just like, hey, can we get paid more so that we can afford to live? And we're just going, no, we're taking all your money away. <laughs> yeah, like you can strike, but I have my doomsday device, right? <laughs> like I don't any of these people credit enough to be smart as supervillains, but it is like it's villainous what uh like coming out swinging with something as heavy as like a constitutional override thanks for coming on we uh that's that's all we got for today thanks for coming on and having a discussion about that yeah no uh, um hopefully i mean uh, we're recording this on thursday so we'll see what happens friday uh, yeah. when this comes out um it's definitely going to be interesting and i hope i hope it goes well for the uh i hope it goes well for the for the workers yeah, I hope people on both sides get what they deserve. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Interrobang. As always, you can catch up with every episode on our website or wherever you get your podcast. Pick up your copy of Interrobang on newsstands now, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe. 
For the Interobang, I'm Ben Harrietha. The Interobang podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply.